Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, lots to talk about in the hockey world uh, this week. Obviously, uh, with the World Juniors finishing, we've got lots of hockey news as we get closer to the NHL season. But first off, how is it going out your way? Getting ready for hockey, man. Getting ready for hockey. Um on a lighter side of things, I got my Nintendo Switch set up, finally uh, started playing Mario Kart, and I just realized I am still the king at Mario Kart right now. So I still got my skills intact, and I got a desk, but as I went to try and make sure I had all the parts, I had parts missing. So That's I had the best a part, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is like a massive desk, right? And this is like a massive part or a project that I mentioned a couple of weeks that I wanted to build, put it together, get my own workstation set up. And then as I'm counting everything, I'm missing two support rods. Aww. And obviously, you know, if it was something small, I could try and work around it, like a little piece of a screw missing. I could get another screw, whatever. But this is a support rod. If, it, if that ain't there, that thing's going to come crashing down and... uh yeah, I just packed that back up, sent it back. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. I got to try and find something new, something maybe with less parts. But yeah, that was my week, and also I, I'm getting my fantasy league all set up. I know before the show you were talking about that you're in, uh, you're in a rebuilding your keeper league. How's that going, man? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm in uh, year six of a five year rebuild, so uh, not so great, but. You know, it's all about drafting, drafting and, and developing. And uh, right now my team's <laughs> got to find some new scouting. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going well. Uh, as I mentioned to you before the show, draft goes tomorrow. Um, that's why we're recording here on Saturday this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, really excited. Uh, you know, we're talking, about, we're talking about the NHL season. We're talking about, um, you know, fantasy hockey. It's just, it seems like mm-hmm. things are starting to come together, which is great. Yeah. Um, that said, we're coming off a big tournament, a big international tournament where Canada faltered in the final mm-hmm. in the gold medal game. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, I want to, I want to run through the semifinals. Obviously Canada played Russia. The U S played Finland. Canada 5-0 win in the semifinal against Russia. It just seemed like Russia did not give them any sort of fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Levi stood on his head as as he did all tournament. Um, tied uh, Justin Pogge, former Leaf draft pick, for uh, shutouts in a tournament, third shutout of the tournament. Uh, his numbers were just unbelievable. But I wonder... Coming into the uh, into the gold medal game was the biggest issue with Canada that maybe they weren't in a tougher group. Maybe they mm-hmm. didn't face enough adversity heading into the gold medal game. Yeah, I mean, um, I did a recap of the whole entire tournament for Canada, and the team faced adversity from the beginning. I mean, I mean, a lot of teams did uh, with them going to camp, quarantining, playing games, and then having to quarantine again as a result of positive tests, losing your captain immediately right after that. So 
it does weigh on you. It, it does play a major impact. And but overall, Canada, like, yeah, they had an easier division. They had the easiest path to the gold medal. And again, the USA was their biggest competition. You could say that Slovakia and the Czech Republic were their toughest games because they were closer than maybe what they should have been at the same time. But you know what? Kudos to them for providing the close game that it was. That just shows that, you know, I know we talked about it last week with Stephen Ellis that, you know, hopefully teams are starting to like countries are starting to put more effort into their hockey programs and tra- and making um, it more of a possibility to go in and, you know, um, develop your own players within your own leagues instead of having to go to um, Sweden, Finland, Russia, Canada, overseas to continue your development. But yeah, I mean, sticking with Canada and Russia, I mean, there was a big difference between when Canada and Russia played in their exhibition game and this one. And... I noticed that, you know, Alex Newhook got the ball going with uh, with that game. Honestly, I thought that it was tough to see with that shot, how it quickly went in and went out. And then all of a sudden you hear the horn. And it's like, what's going on? And it's like, OK, 30 seconds in, he already scored a goal. But Canada was dominant from the very beginning of that game. And even from the beginning of this of the tournament, granted that it was a 16-2 win over Germany with the issues that they faced, but yeah, it's, we've seen some great, like we've seen a lot of great teams from Canada in the past and they were just absolutely dominant from start to finish. And they had that mindset. They powered through no matter what, but Russia in that game could have been a little bit more of a challenge. And I don't know, honestly, I really don't know what happened with Russia. Askarov was just, he, he made great saves, but at the same time he was just, you know, he wasn't Yaroslav Askarov. He wasn't the goalie that we knew uh, um, that we saw clips of in the KHL making these highlight real saves, getting drafted 11th overall. He was great, but losing looked, a stick he, multiple times, then you could tell the nerves were there. Yeah, he almost looked human. He almost looked like, mm-hmm. you know, just your average goaltender. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he still moved from side to side well. He, he played well. Um, but yeah, the, 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 losing the stick was a big question. And I mean, it was all over Twitter. People were wondering what the hell was going on because I mean, it was almost like watching Sergei bears uh, with the Leafs again, losing his helmet every shift. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, all of a sudden there was a stick in the corner. There was a stick at the hash marks mm-hmm. and every time it seemed to be Askarov. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what happened with the Russians. They just didn't seem as dominant as they, they had been in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throughout the tournament, uh, they, they, they struggled against teams that maybe they shouldn't have struggled against. But um, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think every team faced adversity. I just, th- for, in the way that they should have, like, I think Canada tends to play better when they're in a tougher, tougher group. And yeah. this tournament, I mean, you're going up against Germany. You're going up against, you know, the Swiss. You're going up against the Slovaks. And and, and yeah. maybe, maybe they should have been in a group where, you know, against the U.S., you're you're going to be expected to play harder. It's going to be a tough. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tougher game, and that's we we've talked about the development of of the game around the world, and that it's still it's still happening, right? Like even your Scandinavian uh, countries, they have bad years. Uh, we saw it last year with yeah. Finland. They weren't Finland wasn't great. Um, obviously, this mm-hmm. year. 
you know, Finland came within a goal of, of going to the gold medal game against Canada. And that could have been yeah. a different story for Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, you know, obviously the U.S. and, and uh, a late goal uh, on the back of Arthur Kaliev, um, you know, gave him a 4-3 win in their semifinal. And it was a Canada-U.S. final. It's, I mean, it, it's almost like this was a scripted tournament where, you know, Canada-U.S., they're not going to play in the preliminary round, but we're going to see them in the medal round. Yeah. I'm also just thinking about the fact that going back to, I believe it was either 2017 or 20, I want to say 2018, the year where it was like Kale McCarr on the back end, you had Jordan Cairo up front, Dylan Dubé. That year, it was the year where they had that outdoor game in Buffalo and they lost to the USA in a shootout. That yeah. kind of was the not necessarily the adversity they needed, but the competition that they needed. They didn't really have that. And then that helped them set up for that final against Sweden. And Sweden was, you know, in conversation of obviously, you know, trying to win gold medal. And they were absolutely dominant. That was a close game. I mean, Tyler Steenbergen didn't score until like maybe uh, just under two minutes left in that game in the third period. And that set up as like one of the one of like the top maybe top 10 outside top 10 goals for Canada at that tournament. They were again, I said that they were dominant, but. They had immense puck pressure, the speed, going in on the offensive, getting physical. I mean, Quentin Byfield was showing, I mean, people love to say that, oh, he's now a bust now because, you know, he, he only had no no points or one assist last year or, you know, he didn't have a good start in the first two games, whatever have you. He was a monster. Like, he was, like... Like, there was a fire in him this year that he wanted to prove everybody wrong, and he did. Seven points, seven games, two goals, five assists. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. You even saw, like, uh, players like Alex Newhook, Dylan Holloway, a lot of all these other players, they had that speed and aggression to go in heavy on the forecheck. That kind of was their downfall because I think the U.S. did a better job of that and they executed perfectly. They used Canada's game plan against them and it worked out. Granted, it was only a 2 nothing game. Canada managed to fight back, but it was only in the third period when they started to get the ball rolling and try and get the pressure on. And again, kudos to the Americans. That was a terrific game. They scored when it mattered. Canada had a good, had a lot of great opportunities but they couldn't bury it past Spencer Knight, and that was the difference maker. Yeah, and you know what? They suffocated the offense that was Canada, too. And I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest thing, is that not only did they play their game, they they jumped on the, the couple of opportunities that they got. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a bad game. It was just no. the U.S. found a way to, to suffocate that offense that Canada had shown throughout the tournament. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was the difference maker in this tournament. And, uh you know, it was a well-played game by the U.S., well-deserved win. Um, Canada mm-hmm. shouldn't be disappointed in the way that they played at all, especially at all. guys like Dylan Cousins, especially guys like uh, Devin Levi. Um, hell of a tournament for all of them. Um, you know, and, and and this year they just came up short, and, and yeah. there's going to be some returnees next year that uh, are able to come back and kind of, uh, regain that uh, that gold medal possibly um, but uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a different time next year and hopefully we'll have fans in the stands and and be talking about that rather than uh, this Edmonton bubble yeah and again they should be really proud at 
all the teams should be proud of what they accomplish with everything going on, no matter where you fit it. I mean, it's a good thing that there was no relegation because it wouldn't be fair this time around. But we get to see Germany next year. We get to see Austria again next year in the top group. Everybody should be proud of how they played, how they performed, given the circumstances that were happening right now. And especially for Team Canada, where, you know, like I mentioned at the top, you, they, ha- they were in a quarantine. They, were, they lost one of their key players and their captain. Um, take that as a win. Even though you lost this, even though you lost the gold, you're still a winner in our eyes, considering everything that you have been through. And no matter what, uh, all of Canada is always behind you, supporting the players. No matter what, it is a tournament. They are young players. Some things don't go right. Give them the respect. Give them the credit that they deserve. Simple as that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And everybody involved in the tournament, uh, mm-hmm. they did a phenomenal job getting it done. And absolutely. obviously, after the tournament started, no positive tests in the bubble, which is is a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anybody involved deserves a, a real round of applause and, and uh, you know, gave us a chance to, to sit down and watch some competitive hockey for the first time in months. So that was yeah. that was a huge bonus for, for you know, folks like yourself and I. But um, yeah, the bubble I mean, works. The bubble works. The bubble works. Yep. And, and really exciting. Um, obviously, you know, we, we haven't been able to talk about them a lot, but uh, um, the NWHL will have their bubble going as well um, yes. in in just a matter of, uh, you know, it, it's not far away now at all. Um, but uh, that that's very exciting. Obviously, the Toronto Six, uh, their inaugural season, going to be a crazy inaugural season being in the bubble. But uh, yeah. It's great news. Uh, they've created more jobs for the NWHL by adding that that expansion team. They've expanded to Canada, which is big. Um, and as we've mentioned on this show before, we hope that, you know, obviously this is a league that can be sustainable and, mm-hmm. and uh, one that maybe can partner in a way with the NHL that it it creates the same sort of equality and, and job, uh, job equality that, you know, we see with the NHL athletes. Uh, it'd be nice to see that uh, with the NWHL as well. So we're excited to see that and get that underway as well. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, moving into the NHL, obviously uh, we've got a lot to talk about as we head toward the January 13th season start. Puck drop is going to be crazy. Um, next week. Next week. Next week. Next um, week. We, we, we've talked last week about the provinces and how they – had to basically okay uh, their team, their respective mm-hmm. teams to play. Um, <clears throat> Quebec has okayed the, the Canadians to play. Ontario with Ottawa and um, Toronto. Um, Vancouver obviously is good to go. Um, yeah, so it looks like things are starting to fall into place for, yeah. for the Canadian teams. That Canadian division is going to be exciting, as we mentioned. Um, that said, we had uh, a few signings this week that uh, – you know, obviously we'd like to talk about. So the Chicago Blackhawks signed Dylan Strom, 23 years old, to a two-year $6 million contract, $3 million AAV, obviously. Um, 105 points in 164 regular season games so far in his career. He's a third overall pick in 2015. And he's played the last or parts of the last two seasons with the Blackhawks and has 89 points in 116 games while being reunited with his junior teammate, Alex DeBrincat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thoughts on his signing. There was talk about, you know, him wanting a little bit more. 
you know, is this a guy that maybe you should play this two years out and, and see what he can he can be offered uh, following this? Obviously, a third third overall pick maybe hasn't lived up to full expectations at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, going into his draft year, he wasn't seen as maybe the best skater at that point and hasn't really developed yeah. that side of his game either. Yeah, and his skating was the main, like, he could, he could put the puck away, he could distribute it, no problem. It was the skating that, you know, was kind of a question mark, but the skating is something that you can work on as a prospect. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly do think this is a make or break year for him. Um, Taze is out, Kirby Doc is out, and now he's their best option. He's basically their number one center right now at this point. And he hasn't been the best point producer since being that star in the junior level right now. He had a 50 point, 51 point season where things looked like it did start to turn around, but he failed to match that last season with 38. I mean, you would expect for him to try and at least match that or slightly go above and beyond, but it's too, I don't want to say you want to call him a bus right now, but it's too early to pull the plug on a player's development when he's still that young. He's still under 25. And although the contract is good, he needs to step it up on a depleted roster. And given the circumstances that they're facing right now, I don't know if, you know, he may not get the points, but he may play well. And that would be a good step in the right direction because I'm, I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm thinking that, you know, Chicago may be a lottery team this year. They question marks in goaltending. They got two key injuries to key two key centermen right now. And it's, I don't know. He's, he could be up for the challenge. I just don't think he will. I don't think he'll put it, put up the offensive numbers. Like I said before, I think he'll make an impact, but the numbers may still be where they are at. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I look back at the Nylander situation kind of in the same sense where he kind of stayed stagnant in terms of his point production um, mm-hmm. and then almost commanded a, a high dollar amount. Obviously, the Nylander situation is a little bit different in the fact that he was a player that was going to get that higher contract. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, this is it's similar in the sense that you know, Strom might think he's worth a little bit more. Um, you know, you mentioned it. I think it's way too early to give up on a guy like like this at 23 years old. Um, that said, I think Chicago's looking for that breakout year. And th- and this is the perfect opportunity. This is the perfect opportunity. He's going to get gl- uh, unbelievable chances playing with Patrick Kane probably. Mm-hmm. Um, get You know, obviously get back on the line with Alex DeBrincat. Um, You know, there's, there's so many... Kubalik, even if he gets a chance to play with Kubalik, there's an opportunity there for him. Um, there's just going to be a lot of a lot of opportunity for him this season with Taves, with Doc out. Um, so I think this has got to be the year that he he goes out there and he he really sets the tone on on how he wants his career to go. Yeah. Um, and at this point, you know, if you want to be a three million dollar guy, you're going to be a three million dollar guy. You're probably going to be a third liner at that in that sense. Um, yeah. That being said. This is a guy that's got the opportunity right in front of him, and it'll be interesting to see what he does with it this year. Yeah, I'm looking at daily faceoff right now. Projected forward lines were down the middle. Taze, Doc, Strome. Both of them are out right now. I don't know if you want to try and if you want if if I'm Chicago, I'm just going like you know stacking the top line. I'm going to bring it Strome, Kane. 
the Brinkett's on the first line, Kane is on the second, and Strom is on the third. Not to say that, you know, Dominic Kubelik had a great rookie year. I don't know if that's sustainable or not. Um, especially right now, given the fact that, you know, the main, the top three players on Chicago right now are the Brinkett, Strom, and uh, Kane. Um, something to look at, into if they're, if they want to try and get some offense going, because if Strom is playing with Kane, then yeah, he's going to have a good year. It's, he can't drive a line on his own and he needs that, he, he needs that boost and he needs that help. And I think Kane can help him get to that point. I mean, he needs that speed though, too, because mm-hmm. as we mentioned, he's not, he's not a phenomenal skater. Like, yeah. He's he's a little bit flat footed. He's a little bit slow footed. He's a guy that you know he's not his top speed's not going to reach the same as a guy mm-hmm. like Kane, as a guy like even Debrinkat, um, so or even Doc, or even Doc. So to open up that game a little bit for him, uh, he needs speedier guys on on his wing to give give him that opportunity to kind of open up the ice a little bit for himself. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting interesting year to see see the. The, the development of, of Strom and what he can do put in that that top line position. Mm-hmm. Um, but going off of that, uh, Sammy Vatanen um, also signed this week. Uh, he signed a one-year deal, $2 million, to go back to New Jersey after being traded to Carolina. Uh, the 29-year-old was 106th overall pick in 2009 for the Anaheim Ducks. He has 194 points in 434 regular season games over his career and has spent the last three seasons uh, in New Jersey. I don't mind this signing as a depth guy. Um, I know when he was with Anaheim, there's a lot of expectation as to what this guy could do, what where his ceiling was at. I'm not sure he's ever really got to that point. Um you know, uh, 194 points in 434 games. Vanden was sort of seen as a little bit more of an offensive guy, uh, especially when he's with the Ducks. The the I think it's a good depth signing for for New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Again, this is a flat cap, so we're not seeing guys make what maybe they would make on on an open market with with the cap rising. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be a good opportunity for Vatanen to kind of get back into things. Obviously, he's comfortable in New Jersey. He's he's liked being there for the last three years, and uh, you know I think that's par- part of the reason why he'll sign for two million in uh, in in Jersey. Yes, yeah, it was kind of weird to see him still on the market, but then again, I don't know what what the situation was. Again, it is flat cap. I don't know if he was if it was like an Anthony Duclair situation or Mike Hoffman where they wanted to try and get more. But, yeah, considering where he's been at lately, it's a good cheap deal. Um, yeah, the points really haven't been there. They've taken a significant dip since the 38 that he posted back in 2015-16. Went down to 24, 28, 17, 23. And also, he hasn't really played more than 70 games since 2016-17. Um, no, sorry. Um, that is my mistake. He played at least 72 in 2017, 18, 15, 57, combined with the Ducks and the Devils. Again, my math is really not that good. But 50 in 2018, 19, 47 in 2019, 20. So he has dealt with some injuries in the past. And now, also, if you take a look at 
his underlying numbers. And I, I, I really like that Cat Friendly is doing like a Corsi plus minus per 60. The last time he was positive was back in 2015-16, plus minus per 60, 2.31. Then it went down to minus 1.75, minus 19.13. So he has been on possession numbers haven't been as great as maybe the team would have liked it to have been considering he is a puck moving defenseman. But yeah, I mean, it's still a good contract. I mean, if he's going to be on that third, fourth pairing, it is good value. No, third or fourth pairing. Um, third or, as a third or fourth defenseman, still good value no matter what. Um, to play alongside Will Butcher or Damon Severson, um, I think it, it, it would still provide great balance for New Jersey on the back end. So I think it's still a really good contract no matter what. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um, like I said, good depth guy to get in there uh, should should provide them with a little bit more stability on the back end. Um, heading over to Buffalo, they signed Riley Sheehan to a one year seven hundred thousand dollar contract. The 29 year old was a 21st overall pick in 2010 to uh, the Detroit Red Wings. 164 points in 513 regular season games. Um, and he had last season, he had 15 points in 66 games for Edmonton. Um, again, I think this is more just a depth depth signing. Um, obviously, you know if if they can uh, sign to a contract, you know he he's there if they need him. Maybe part of the taxi squad if that if that's the case. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this is a team that's got a lot of young talent. Um, obviously, we've seen what Dylan Cousins can do. Um, yeah. You know, Victor Olofsson's there. We've talked about that. Uh, Casey Middlestad. Um, you know, you you name it. They've got a lot of, of of young talent coming up. So, a guy like Riley Sheehan might be might be one of those guys that you stick there in, you know, a fourth line role. Like I said, taxi squad fill in when uh, when when needed. Um, but yeah, not a bad deal for a guy that's been around for 500 plus games in the NHL. Yeah, um, I, I still like the way that he plays. Though. He plays with that little bit of an edge. He still got speed maybe inject some of that into a lineup where they were kind of lacking that last year. And obviously the, the goal for them is to possibly, you know, find that consistency and not just go on a 10, 10 game winning streak. And then that be it for the rest of the year where it just seems to collapse right after that. Kind of like, you know, what the Maple Leafs have done pre Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era, you know, the whole 18 wheeler going off the cliff kind of thing, you know, you win a stretch of games and then you lose a stretch of games and that would be their downfall basically. But yeah, hopefully that he can inject some of that into the lineup. I think maybe he could replace that kind of depth that maybe um, Jimmy VC lost. Cause I think maybe if he could still produce the same amount of points, that'll be really good um maybe even more but then again vc had more points so it's really really all depends on how things plan uh pan out and where they see him as a fit i think maybe more of a fourth line role as opposed to a third like vc was in but yeah it's i mean good 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 signing good depth move but i don't think it may amount to anything significant yeah, no, it, like I said, I think it's a good depth signing. He's there for the year. Yeah. Worst case is, you know, you, you maybe maybe you bury him in the AHL mm-hmm. um, if, if that's the case, if you don't need him on the taxi squad even. But uh, like I said, good good veteran presence, good to have him around. Yeah. Um, you know, teaches guys to be a professional both on and off the ice and, and really, uh, you know, give 
I, I think they're gonna, leaning towards giving some of these young guys the opportunity so he could just be a guy that's kind of there to, just to help them out uh, mm-hmm. in the locker room. 100%. Um, speaking of the young guys, uh, let's head to the New York Islanders where 23-year-old RFA Matthew Barzell, uh, 16th overall pick in 2015, 207 points in 234 regular season games over his career. Obviously a legitimate offensive threat. That said, it looks like he could be holding out to start this season. Uh, Looking for a new contract. We all know in Toronto, Lou Lamorello is not a guy that, you know, gives you what you think you deserve. He sets a a bar for what he thinks you're worth. And that's kind of where you're going to end up. And, uh, you know, old-time hockey guy. It, this is this going to hurt Matthew Barzell in the long run? Uh, is this going to hurt him not not getting into games right off the hop? Um, or is this something that maybe it's going to be a last minute signing? We get him in the lineup for opening night, and and you know this is all forgotten. Wishful thinking, you would like it to be a Mitch Marner situation over William Nylander. Signing during camp, he goes in, still plays, gets into some scrimmages and everything like that, but. He's only practicing. He can't partake in any of the games that they're having right now. And that is concerning. It really is. I think this may go more of a William Nylander situation than it did Mitch Marner. And this is a big mistake on loose part. Uh, uh, loose part, sorry. Um, trying to play the waiting game. Camps have already started and he, he can't get any meaningful playtime. This is what happened with William Nylander. I mean, you we uh you alluded to and if you miss a large amount of games you saw what happened to William Nylander and knowing Matt Barzell's skill set knowing the importance that he has to the roster that's going to damage the team and the offense basically runs through him and yeah you got Jordan Neverly, you have Brock Nelson you have Anders Lee to try and help fill the void of like or be that offensive presence no one has more of an impact than Matt Barzell on that team. Nobody. And if you really want it, you, you, like you're, if you're another team right now, you're seeing the situation that's playing out right now. I mean, you could say that like, oh, people were trying to offer sheet William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and all these other players a few years ago. Where's that talk right now? You really want to put Lou in a bind and hurt the team where they're just under $4 million in cap space right now. For an 85-point player, why not offer sheet him? Force his hand, you know? Yeah. Um, try and give, uh, like, if you really need Matt Barzell right now, and I, I mean, I would probably take that chance to try and force his hand because they're still over the cap right now or just under $4 million. He gets that maybe $7.5, 8000000 that he deserves on, like, maybe a six-, seven-year deal. You're gonna, he's going to have to make another move. And you still got Leo Komarov under contract. Um, I believe he's only at three million. You look at they, they got to clear up some cap space. Komarov three million. Sezikis three point three five. Cal Clutterbuck three point five. Andrew Ladd, thirty five years old, really hasn't done anything. Five point five million. Who are you going? Who's going to take on that money? You're in a major cap situation right now. And this is the problem, and this is where people are talking about with Lou Lamorello. 
gave six over six million to Patrick Marlowe, who's, you know, he had a good first year, but you saw that play decline in a second. You saw him pay four point five for Nikita Zaitsev over seven years. Warranted after his first year, but that contract went south pretty bad. And now you look at all these bad contracts that he has on his roster, and your star player is out. I don't know. That that's that he's in a really difficult situation right now to try and manage this. And on the plus side, Dubis has managed the cap situation year after year. Lou still has to figure things out. Yeah, let me let me throw a few scenarios at you. Mm-hmm. Um Let's say they don't start the season with Barzell in the lineup. Yeah. How much of an insult would it be if you see a guy like Oliver Wallstrom or a guy like Josh Hosang come in and be maybe a, a guy that fills that void for them and actually gets a you know a good start to the season? How mm-hmm. much of an insult to Barzell would that be? And and lose the type of guy that's going to hold these players accountable. Yeah. Um, you know, so Barzell, a guy that, you know, obviously is going to hold up. And listen, I'm all for a player capitalizing on what he's worth. Yeah. I am all for that. And at this point in time, you, like you said, you're talking about an 85-point guy. There's absolutely no reason he doesn't deserve a, a, a good, well-paying contract. That said, mm-hmm. a lot of these players are forgetting that right now they're in such a stale cap that teams don't have money to spend. Yeah. And I think that's why we don't see the offer sheet right now in Barzell because teams literally do not have the money to spend. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to clear some cap just to get him for what you you probably would want to, to make mm-hmm. the, the Islanders buckle. Um, but another another scenario. New York starts a season without Barzell. Let's say they start 0-6, 0-10. Um, suddenly he's back in the lineup. How forgiving are these Islanders fans? Uh, based on what we saw with the John Tavares situation, not very. So, I mean, does that make it tougher for him to play a home game a home game in front of well, I guess not in front of a crowd, but I mean to hear the 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 jarring and stuff that you're going to hear on social media or through the through through the news networks, the local networks. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. That's going to be in your head. Mm-hmm. I Just think make that's it more a, difficult. I think that's an that's an interesting point that you brought up because is this is this Matt Barzell really trying to like get like is it more Matt Barzell because I know the whole John Tavares situation he left the team because he wanted to play for his hometown team people were still angry because he wanted to live out his childhood dream that's whatever that that's what that's a story that was a, what it it is what it is. Are fans going to be really that mad at Barzell, or are they going to be really that mad at Lou Lamorello for mismanaging the situation ahead of time? Because he had a chance to try and move or get Andrew, Ladd con- Andrew Ladd's contract out. He moved to Devin Tays to try and re-sign other players, but it still really hasn't amounted to much, and he only has $4 million dollars. Are you really going to give Matt Barzell $4 million on maybe a two-year bridge deal? Kind of similar to what, like, Pierre-Luc Dubois had, which I know we're probably going to talk to very soon or talk about very soon. It's, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of factors are coming into play right now in terms of, like, what's going to happen necessarily, not quote-unquote, but the blame game, you know? 
Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. And, and that's what I mean. Like, these are just scenarios I'm thinking about <clears throat> from the outside looking in. But we we've all we all saw what happened with Nylander. And yeah. to, to miss games at the beginning of the season, miss competition, I, I, I personally think it'll hurt. I think Barzell's maybe a little bit more resilient than Nylander mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. So maybe it won't hurt as much, but it's definitely going to be something that uh, it's it's worth keeping an eye on. I think there's one difference between this and the Nylander situation. <clears throat> Matt Barzell is, I, 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 I have Matt Barzell as probably a better player than William Nylander. Obviously, mainly because of just a centerman role. I know Nylander is a center too, but he could play. He's been playing mostly on the wing, and I think he's better suited on the wing. Matt Barzell is a center. You you pay the big bucks at a center. William Nylander was asking for like over seven million when Dubas was going below six point eight, and he went to six point nine. So Dubas was still well within his like in his framework that he wanted to give the money to William Nylander. You're now talking about a centerman right now who's been arguably your best player since John Tavares left. And again, that's, it's, it's something to think about. Boo for thought, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of young guys, Nolan Patrick is back in the Flyers lineup. 22 years old, second overall pick in 2017, 61 points in 145 regular season games so far in his career. Missed the entire 2019-20 season with chronic migraines. Patrick had a scare at scrimmage the other day, um, took a little bump and was a little slow getting up. Is this something to worry about for a guy like Nolan Patrick, who had such a, I mean, there was talk of him being the first overall pick at one point and, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously dropped down to second overall, still a, a big shoes to fill. Um, you know, obviously we're happy to see a guy like Nolan Patrick back with the Flyers give him the opportunity to get back into the game that he loves so much. That said, is it worrisome to, you know, for a guy who had chronic migraines to be back, take and, and basically be involved in the physical play? Well, first, it is great to see him back. I mean, he, he is, I had him as the first overall pick, but until the, you saw the injuries in junior start to mount up, that's when, you know, the discussion fell out. And that's why Nico Heischer came out on top. And also he was pretty good at the World Juniors that during the draft year. Um says he doesn't he says he's wants to take everything slow. Um and that's good. Um but yeah, it's it's I I'm hoping that he stays healthy and he plays meaningful minutes because to see him out for a full year, it's gut wrenching. And he even said it's uh, uh, on an article on Yahoo Sports. Um, it's obviously mentally tough whenever you're injured watching. He um, Patrick said you want to be out there. It's obviously t- a tough injury that affects you mentally more than other ones would. But hopefully I get back here soon. Um, just. The fact that he's taking it day by day is a good sign, but at the same time, they are migraines are very serious, and I can easily relate because I had migraines in the past, and man, they are not fun at all. I mean, what I had made is was not as bad as what Nolan Patrick had. Uh, like I was able to play through it. It was tough trying to stay focused in games. Like there are times where I would have to take like a bunch of Tylenol or Advil before a game to take the pressure off. Then you have your helmet on. It just makes it a little bit worse. 
obviously don't do what I did. It was probably stupid of me for to do that. But t- that's something that should be taken seriously and literally don't do what I did because um, I'm all for like, you know, like when it comes to head injuries, I'm very serious. And then I kind of just broke my own rules. But then again, I was still a kid in the past, you know, 17, 18. I wanted to play. I wanted to get out there. So I can understand why he wants to go back in only if he's if the doctors have cleared him, go right ahead. But he really needs to be careful because these are things that can reoccur. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And uh, obviously, you know, with with the game as fast as it is nowadays, um, you know, we don't we don't want to see a guy get hurt. We don't want to see a guy have to, you know, forced into retirement at such a young age mm-hmm. because of the progression of, of you know, head injuries and, and migraines and and that kind of stuff. So hopefully this is is the first step to to, you know, getting back on the ice and, and getting to be a major part of the of the flyers lineup and you know if if it if in fact it is um you know watch out for the flyers because they're going to be uh they're going to be a scary team you can't yeah. you can't just get rid of talent like that and when nolan patrick is on his game man he is a threat so, like he's a very aggressive forechecker and again you could point to the fact that you know again he really hasn't like hit his peak in terms of point production and i mean look Look at him. He's missed a significant amount of time. Um, but when he can play, he can play. This is a guy who put up 102 points in juniors. 30 in his rookie year, 31 after that. But his consistency to play as sort of like a third line grinder kind of player was there. And hopefully he gets back to that and maybe he comes back stronger because he is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of the Flyers, they will be part of the Mass Mutual East Division uh, this year in the NHL, as the NHL has sold naming rights to their divisions, <laughs> the Honda West Division, the Scotia North Division, and the Discover Central Division, along with that Mass Mutual East Division. When are we going to get the Tostito Stanley Cup? <sighs> <laughs> Honestly, that's a mouthful right there to say the honestly, I'm not even going to like nobody's going to say the names of the division. Obviously, it's the North Division, East Division, South Division, West Division. Um, It's all aligned to make more money. Like, I hope this is only for one year. It looks like it's only for one year so that hopefully when 2022 comes around, it will be gone. I just uh, it's. It's kind of like the same with the ads on the helmet. I'm hoping it's just around for the short term because they are bleeding money right now. They they're hurting revenue wise. And hopefully with this, it could bring something in. I know you got some fans coming in as well for certain teams at like 25 percent capacity. Major risk to play with, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I just hope it doesn't come get to a point where it's going to be like this forever i just hope it isn't because if it's just for this one year just for the time being to add sort of like keep money coming in great because this isn't like the nfl or mlb or nba where you just have you have the money coming in no matter what yeah like like i told you last episode i don't mind the ads on the helmet mm-hmm. especially with how small like i don't know if you've seen the Scotiabank one on the leafs helmet i did it's 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 not overbearing and, yeah. and that's I, I don't mind that one. Um, 
if those were to stick around now, now if you were to put start putting stickers all over your helmet, like, like let's be honest, that would just look stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the one on the side, I don't mind. When you start, and I like like you said, for this year, I get it. You're bleeding money. You're trying to save jobs, but I don't want to be seeing like the McDonald's Metro Division when we get back to twenty one, twenty two. And I I really hope this doesn't catch on. It's not yeah. something that I want to see. The Wendy's West Division, like let's 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 be honest, it's just it it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot, and it's it starts to almost create a parody around the league when you start naming the things just like college football. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got 70 different bowl games because 70 different companies want to, you know, market to, to college, you know, college sports. So I, for me, it's just do it this year, save jobs at the NHL office, save jobs with NHL teams, whatever you need to do. Yeah. That said, I hope this is a one-off and we're back to our normal divisions next year, back to just having, you know, normal division names. Forget yeah. the ads, let's move on. But I I do I do understand why they're doing it this year and I think it's un, I think it's understandable for most. Um yeah. that said, I mean, nobody's going to call it what what they're called. I'm not saying Mass Mutual every time I'm talking about the West Division <laughs> or the East Division rather. Yeah, um, so Scotia Bank yeah. North Division uh, matchup headline game tonight: Toronto versus Montreal. You know, at Scotia Bank um, place. Like, yeah, I mean, come on, I mean, we're just getting we're we're getting silly here. Yeah, I think obviously, yeah, and I mean, I obviously I'm still not a fan of the logos on the helmets, but it's as long as it like you mentioned it too, as long as it's discreet and it doesn't take away from the actual team logo, I'm still fine with that. I mean, again you're not going to get the money as you would with the NBA or NFL right now. And I saw this online where I, I, I can't, again, I got to write down my sources because I feel bad not crediting it or something like that. But I, 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 I some people were talking about the placement of the Scotia bank logo on the side and how it, you know, it takes away from the ma- small maple leaf logo on the side and you should have put it on the front. I kind of agree with that. But where else are you going to put it? I'd rather take the small logos off and keep the Scotia Bank on the side. Because if you take off the brand logo on the front of the helmet, like CCM or Bauer, who's what, like the main company that's providing you equipment, you've got to keep that logo on there. Absolutely. I'd rather, I'd rather you, you've got to keep that. As much as I want to have the Scotia Bank logo on the front and the Maple Leafs on the side, I'm willing to make that small sacrifice to get that small logo off for now. And because let's face it, if you you wouldn't have the equipment if they wouldn't be where you are right now. So that 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 was just my take. I saw a lot of people were discussing about that online, how sh- where the placement should be. Honestly, I, it doesn't really matter to me. I can live with it as long as it gets back. And even if they come to a point where they put an ad on the jersey, if it's small, like on the like chest of it, like a really small logo, fine. I again, I don't like it at all though. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm as much as possible stay away from the logos on the jerseys. Um, I know the NBA is doing it, but I, for me, it just it takes away from the actual logo that should be on your jersey. Um, but yeah, I, I'm okay with the helmet jersey or the helmet ones. Uh, I don't mind it. Um, I, I think you know you've got the, you've got the big emblem on your on your jersey to take away the ones on the helmet. It's not to me. It's not the biggest of deals. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. 
Um, I understand why, you know, to have that leaf still yeah. there, but yeah, I, I and, think, I, like I said, hopefully it's just a, a little bit of a money grab right now and, and trying to maintain jobs in the NHL and, and we move on from it. And also you still got the ads alongside of the boards too. Like you're going to see Tim Hortons on the boards. You're going to see like ads for PlayStation, Scotiabank, um, I don't know, financial companies, insurance, whatever. You're going to have all these ads on the board still anyways. So you're still bringing in money no matter what. And even if you want to add, like, even if you take the logos off and you still put the ad of the company on the board for, like, a certain portion of the game for, like, maybe the second or third period, because I see people take the banners off, switch them up, whatever. Even if you want to take that off the equipment and just put it on the boards, fine, whatever. Even on the ice, one more logo on the ice, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, speaking of money, speaking of uh, of leaving the game, uh, retirement. Uh, Colin Wilson is retiring after mm-hmm. 11 seasons in the NHL. He's just 31. He was seventh, uh, seventh overall pick in 2008 by Nashville. Um, had 286 points in 632 regular season games, played the last three seasons in Colorado, and had a career-high 42 points in 77 games in 2014-15. Is just, this just a case of, you know, I haven't read anything to do with injuries, so I, I'm just wondering if this is a case of just, you know, maybe walking away from the game and, and just ready to call it quits. I did see this. He did have... Uh, he did have... A hip, double hip surgery last season with the Colorado oh, Avalanche at 31 years old. But also on a Yahoo News uh, note, his final game was October 26th for Colorado, and he detailed his long battle with the OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, in a post based on uh, on an article on the Players Tribune. So it is a mix of you know his hip, mental health, and everything like that. So so and, ignore me. I, I ignore me. I'm just an asshole. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, it's just, yeah, this year's, um, yeah, it, it's really tough, especially at, a, again, a young age, too. Um, you can't help but feel for him, you know? Yeah, no, um, absolutely. He, he talks about a uh, uh, a story about him, but like, like in a message, he just say, at this time, I left to reflect on the eight-year-old kid from Winnipeg who couldn't be dragged off a pond or outdoor rink. I can only imagine his excitement and learning of his career he would have in the NHL, Wilson said in a statement released by the Players' Union. It's very bittersweet to retire as I leave my childhood passion behind, but look forward to what comes next. And that was um, on Yahoo, fed through the Associated uh, Associated Press as well. So you can't help but feel for him, man. I mean, it, it's just really, really disappointing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, to, to have to, as you mentioned, kind of leave the game behind him. Um you know, it's it's never something that you want to see. So you want to see people go out on their own, on their yeah. own, uh, on their own, uh, I guess, decision. Um, but uh, you know, tough for him, and we wish him nothing but the best. And hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, gives him a little bit more peace of mind, uh, not having to be, you know, part of this regiment on a, on a on a daily basis. So, yeah. you know, best and, of luck to Colin Wilson. And also that we always say too, like health and safety first, man. Like we we said it many times before. We said it with Tuka Rask with when the situation arose with his daughter, um, many other players. I mean, 
yeah, you want to still play the game. You know, this is something that you've grown up with. It's near and dear to you. But at the same time, it's got to take a back burner. And you got to think of yourself. Uh, you got to think of yourself first. I mean, you don't want to be selfish, but you are important. You, like your health and your well-being matters. It's plain and simple. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going off that, too, uh, Corey Crawford is going to take an indefinite leave of absence from the New Jersey Devils. Um, obviously he's battled vertigo, uh, over the, over his career. Um, you know, and, and, uh, he's had some tough, some tough bouts with it. So, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of reports on why he's taking the indefinite leave, but, uh, obviously, you know, we wish him the best as well as, as, you know, he was, he was looking to get things kind Mm of going again with New Jersey, but, you know, it's tough times for everybody right now. And this is, this is playing on everyone's mental health and, um, you know, for a guy like Crawford, uh, you know, obviously an older older player, a veteran player, um, you know, maybe it's just uh, time to kind of get back and 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 get back into the right frame of mind uh, outside of the game before he steps back on the ice. So, along with uh, Wilson, we we uh, we wish Corey Crawford the best, and hopefully he's uh, he's back to playing uh, if if that's the the route he decides to take. And um, mm-hmm. you know, if not, again. Um, you know, safety first, mental health first, yeah. uh, and that and that's what it ultimately comes down to. And it, it's always uh, important to know January uh, coming up soon is going to be Bellet's Talk Day. Um, obviously, it's more important and more magnified this time around, considering the impact, social, financial, er- all the implications that people are facing right now. So now it's more important than ever to talk about mental health. And get things off your chest. I mean, always talk to somebody. Um, no matter what, people are there to help you out. And no matter what situation you're going through, whether you're a player, whether you're a fan, um, just an everyday citizen. You know, it's now is the more is more important. I know we're going to probably talk more about this as we get closer to the day, but it's more important now than ever in the times that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um Injuries uh, this week, obviously, Brendan Gooley, uh, he uh, went down with an MCL sprain. Um, the 26-year-old had eight points in 30 games for Anaheim last season. He'll be out about six weeks with the sprained MCL. Um, maybe not the biggest loss for Anaheim as he was kind of a stand-in at this point, but obviously you don't want to see a guy go down like that and, uh, you know, lose a shot at possibly making the opening night roster for the Ducks. Yeah, I think he was poised, more poised to make the roster this time around. And he was given an opportunity. Ducks are still going through a transition. This is his time to take a spot and run with it, you know? So, um, really not what he, definitely not what he wanted. I mean, like, it's it's difficult. Like, and I know I say this all the time, but you really, what other way is there to put it, especially for a kid that's still trying to find a permanent spot in the NHL right now. And according, I'm looking at the OC register right now on the injury. And, um, apparently down Dallas Eakins said that, um, it was a fluke. Um, it was kind of like a knee on knee in the neutral zone. It wasn't anything, you know, um, intentional obviously you, you you know it's it's training camp it's practice you're battling to make an impact so um just one of those unfortunate situations you know it's um yeah it's it, it, y- again you feel for the guy you know 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, some brighter news, I guess. Uh, obviously, with Char leaving the Boston Bruins, finally, finally, Patrice Bergeron will be named the captain. And it almost seems like it's been the right thing to do for so long that uh, this is, is absolutely no surprise. He's named the 20th captain of the Bruins. He was a second-round pick in 2003. Uh, he's entering his seventh, 17th season with the Bruins. He's won four Selkie trophies, a King Clancy, a Stanley Cup. He's third in the Bruins in games played, fifth in goals and assists, sixth in points, um, 35 years old, 869 points in 1,089 games, and 111 points in 149 playoff games. So this guy reeks of experience, reeks of veteran leadership. Um, obviously playing on a team like the Bruins, uh, we've seen the type of leadership that he provides. Uh, not always on the best end of that. That said, uh, could it happen to a better guy? Obviously, this is 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 you know, th- th- this was a long time coming for for a guy like Patrice Bergeron. I did not see this coming, man. Not joking. <laughs> um, I mean, let's face it. This was this was the obvious choice. This has been like this has been the obvious choice for like the past. I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm Ever since he came into the NHL, right? Yeah, absolutely. Ever since he, he came into the NHL when he had, uh, in 2005-06, he had 73 points, 70 uh, the year after that. And he's just been on a tear ever since. I mean, he has dealt with issues of, like, you know, injuries and I believe um, concussions as well. Don't quote me on that. But whenever he's healthy, he is healthy, man. And... Like he, it just seems like the the last few years he started to t- go on a tear, fifty three points in seventy nine games in sixteen seventeen, sixty three and sixty four, seventy nine and sixty five. Uh, the last two seasons, miss some injury time this year as well, but fifty six and sixty one games. I mean, when Charles left and he signed to Washington, we knew it was going to happen. I mean, it just would have been a slap in the face if it wasn't him. You look at what he's accomplished. You just mentioned his points, his uh, accomplishments, his awards. He's a poster boy of what a captain should be. He gives it 150% every time he's out, out there on the shift. And I think a lot of players up and coming should look at him and be that figure. He, they should, he's what they should be, aspire to be as a prototypical centerman in the NHL who can be great defensively, but also put up 60 to 70 points a year. Um, again, yeah. And if anybody was taking that seriously at the beginning where I just said, like, I did not see that coming, come on. Like, come on, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, obvious choice. Uh, it'll be it'll – be, It'll almost seem normal to see the C on his jersey this year. And, uh, you know, congratulations to a guy that, uh, you know, somebody who deserves it more than anybody. So, congrats. Yeah. Um, in Columbus, and we got to get Mark on to talk about this one, but Pierre Luc yes. Dubois seems to want out of Columbus. Uh, wants, from, from all reports, it seems that he wants to play on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Dubois, we we all saw the interaction between him and Tortorella in the play-in series. Um, that said, Dubois does say that he's at the the he's he's a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
He signed last week. Um, he's going to give 100% while he's there for the time being and, and you know, let it play out as it's going to play out. But obviously this guy is a professional. He wants to, he wants to be, you know, in a spot that he feels comfortable and, mm-hmm. and maybe it just comes down to not being comfortable in Columbus. And that could, that could be, it could be as simple as that. So is this a guy that's going to get moved at some point in his two year con, his new two year contract? Mm. Maybe, maybe. And I say maybe because we don't know. We don't know. I mean, uh, you you just mentioned uh, Elliot Freeman was the one who broke it on Sports at nine sixty, saying that you know he wasn't he wants to play on the bigger stage, and you know, please come to Toronto. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. We have too many centermen already. Um, it's just a really bad situation that the Blue Jackets are in right now. I mean, it it really is bizarre, and I know that Darren Dreger said that they want to get something sooner rather than later. And I believe that was on like a recent um, insider trading bit. Um, it, I, it's, it's hard to say when it may happen because it's a two-year bridge deal. Obviously, he wants to be moved by the time this contract is up. It, he could be gone by the trade deadline. He could be gone by the end of the season, beginning of next. Who knows? We really don't know. But... It's just, again, I said the difficult situation because he's proved to be a game changer for Columbus and it would hurt them really, really badly if they see another one of their star players go. You already lost Artemi Panarin in free agency. Same with Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, Matt Duchesne, who looked pretty comfortable in uh, his short stint with the Blue Jackets. It's, um, it, 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 it's a, I, I said it before, it's a bizarre situation. I've never seen... We've seen player, players say that, oh yeah, they're not comfortable with this as well. Um, they want to they want to be on a bigger stage, but not this quick after signing a contract. And yeah, and uh, I just to double check on my um, you know suspicion, um, Darren Dreger did say they want to get something done sooner rather than later on a recent edition of Insider Trading on January seventh. So yeah, that is that is the end goal for them. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, like you mentioned, it's it's a weird situation. Obviously, you want the player to be, you want that you have the player's best interest at at heart as well. But um, just such a such an odd request, you know, so early in a career, and especially coming off, you know, the season that they had uh, and the season that he had, um, you know, you wonder if there's more to it than just wanting to play on a, on the big stage, mm-hmm. but. Obviously, you know, we'll keep an eye on this one and see where it goes, but it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see where a guy like Dubois ends up, um, yeah. you know, once the cap starts to climb a little bit and, and teams have, have room to, to add a guy like of, of that magnitude. But how good is that contract, though? It's I believe it's uh, it's Absolute very short. Steel. It's a year 10 million, I believe. Yeah, but I, th- I believe the way it's weighted out is it's. Uh, let me get a cat friendly. Five, oh, it's five million, five million dollar cap hit, but base salary is three point three five million for twenty 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 one, and then it jumps up to six point six five after that in yeah. terms of total salary. So he's 
the way that it works out this year is kind of a prove it year. And then next year he can earn the big bucks. And this is kind of a funny situation because every single time, like I played, like we played NHL so many times before, right? To be a pro mode. Um, I remember one year I'm doing that. I didn't get drafted by the Maple Leafs and I was so mad because I was like, they were the second pick or something like that. And then, or they were the first pick and they didn't pick me and I was kind of mad. So I kept on saying, you know what? I just want to go to free agency or like trade me right now. I got six straight one year, $1 million contracts because of my request as a top player. And you see the difference in the situation that's being played right now than it is in a video game. It just really is funny. The fact that, oh, I I want to, I want to trade requests after like my second year. Okay. One year for six years. Okay. Yeah. Th- 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 thanks CPU. Like really appreciate that. But, but on a serious note, you know, he's going to play it out. He's going to do his best. <clears throat> he's not going to let it affect his situation. And you know what? That just shows the maturity of him. I mean, Still a young player, only 22, and he's already got that mentality right now. But I think maybe, I I don't know the situation as well, but maybe he may not like the situation that the team is going in. It's it could also come down to that as well. We'll we'll, we'll find out as soon as the, like you know we we really got to get Mark on next week or the yeah. week after or something and try and get more in in depth info on that because he's our Jackets insider. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um... Kind of going off of that. Not, I mean, not really, but COVID. I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it at some point every episode as it continues to take over our 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 world, basically. Yep. <clears throat> um, Dallas Stars, six players tested positive. Two staffers tested mm-hmm. positive. Just came over the wire that the Penguins um, have uh, stopped their scrimmage for today. Um, due to possible COVID exposure. Uh, the Toledo Walleyes dropping out of the ECHL, the Swedish under-20 yeah. leagues done for the year. Is this a sign of what's to come, or are we eventually going to take a step towards amend and, and sort of be able to run a full NHL season, a 56-game season, whatever it may be, without the possibility of constant exposure? That's a good question. I will say this. There's one positive news to come out of this. I mean, not really positive, but it's a good step in the right direction. Josh Clipperton of um, the uh, uh, Canadian press uh, mentioned that the WHL announced it will play a 24-game regular season in 2021. Start date to be determined. Um, Based off a WHL media release that he posted on Twitter. So... Out of all that bad news, there's some glimmer of hope. Um, yeah, I. This is what I'm gonna say. I think, I, and I want to be optimistic. I, you want to try and keep the bubble. You have this expanded bubble system in place with the divisions. Great. You're risking more exposure with travel right now, going back and forth. That's a risk, and I think we saw that with the MLB. We saw that with the NFL. Teams are going back and forth constantly, traveling and everything. And there were cases, and they had to postpone games, and I think we're probably going to see that. I, as much as you want this to succeed, as much as you want the players to abide the rules, and I think, again, this mentioned, Bob McKenzie mentioned this for the NHL, the um, World Junior Bubble itself, 
cases are happening before they get into more serious restrictions and they need to abide by it more quickly. Although they should be doing it right now because now you're now you're already getting games suspended or games postponed as a result of it. So I want to be optimistic, but I think we're going to get to a point where we're going to see games canceled and postponed to another date so they could do like a back to back kind of thing just to get in line with the schedule. But it it could get messy. It can. And I was opti- we're all optimistic for hockey to come back. But I think right now with all this coming on and and it's even more heartbreaking for the Sweden U20 leagues where, you know, these are kids that are like, like, again, they're developing their craft. They want to go far. I mean, it's obviously with the vaccines coming out, you want everything to get back to normal as soon as possible. But we're only at the beginning of the end. So it's going to be tough for the next few months, probably the next year itself again. I don't know. Yeah, it's just I I think it's going to be a long year. It's going to be interesting to see how it all goes and hopefully they can figure a way to to get it uh, all figured out. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's just we don't I mean, obviously we don't have the answer until until the year year gets going. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Two more quick notes before we get to our Maple Leaf talk. Um, Pierre Lebrun mentioned that uh, Hoffman is expected to sign a one-year deal with the St. Louis Blues uh, in the range of four to four, four and a half million. Um, Personally, I think it's a steal for the Blues. Obviously, they won't have Tarasenko in the lineup until possibly midway, mid to late, yeah, mid to late February Mm -hmm. or or mid to late season. Um, I think it's a good signing for them. Obviously, if they can get a guy that like that, uh, a, a pure goal scorer, Somebody who can kind of platoon their uh, their their power play units. Um, yeah, I think it's a good deal, and and uh, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a deal that Hoffman can can go can go off of, and and if the cap rises next season, he'll be looking at a much bigger payday. Here's my thing: like everyone was confused when he signed the PTO or he agreed to P- to a PTO, and I I yeah, I was just as shocked as you are, like a thirty goal scorer signing a pro- professional tryout. Like really. They probably had something in place and they just wanted to see more of what he can do on the ice. And I think right now, given Tarasenko and uh, their injury situation, four million or that kind of money for a 30 goal score, I'd take it. I'd take it. Granted, he may just be like, you know, kind of like not necessarily one dimensional, but he may just be that setup man for the one timer or whatever. But it, 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 it could still work out. It could still work out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, some sad news, obviously, from the hockey world. John Muckler died at the age of 86. Uh, Muckler had five cups with the Edmonton Oilers from 1984 to 1990. Um, There's no cause of death announced. That said, he did have a heart attack earlier this year, um, you know, followed up by surgery. And then he did have a bout with COVID as well. So, Mm. Again, no no cause of death announced, but, I mean, you can make your own assumptions from that. Um, in a statement from Wayne Gretzky, who played under Muckler, uh, Gretzky said, He was tough, strict, but most importantly fair, and he helped lay the groundwork to make our team more accountable to each other, which propelled us to become champions. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think much more needs to be said. Obviously, our condolences go out to his family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife, uh, he's survived by his wife and, uh, you know, um, 
we like like we've said numerous times on this show, uh, we hate to see people go, but uh, 86 um, Muckler was a well accomplished man, and um, you know uh, we wish his family all the best. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I know I, it's we sound like a broken record every single time something like this happens, but it's a fact. You know, you, you this is it is sad. It's sad news. Our our deep sympathies go out to you know his family. But one thing that really stood out for me, and I obviously I was a young kid. I was nine or ten at the time. Really didn't know, and also I was uh, getting into the heated battle of the Battle of Ontario in two thousand and one. But he became the general manager of that team then. And he helped build a team that reached the 2007 Stanley Cup final uh, where they lost at Anaheim Ducks. So he was short of another cup. And that would have been great to see him with one more added to his belt, although he has a bunch with the Edmonton Oilers right now. But one more would have been great to see him get that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And like I said, obviously condolences go out. And, uh, you know, you mentioned we sound like a broken record, but uh, it, it is what it is. Um, jumping over to Maple Leafs news, as we mentioned, we do not have a guest this episode. Um, Thornton starting the year on the top line with Matthews and Marner. How incredible is that going to be? And how great was my decision to get a Joe Thornton jersey? <laughs> how great was it to get that jersey? And also during our uh, roundtable talk, you had a pretty good explanation of that on, um, the surprises based on Keith's uh, line combinations. So, yeah, you're two for two right now, man. Um, yeah, I mean, this came as a surprise, man. Like, uh, we all thought that he would be like a third liner centerman. See him on the top wing with two young players like Matthews and Marner. I'm really excited, man, because this is a guy who really hasn't his production to slow down, but. His speed and his ability to keep up, as we mentioned time and time again on this podcast, hasn't. And to be with him there and to just going to be that next kind of like leadership presence with them, to be that kind of person to take away uh, the pressure from Mitch Marner as a setup man, I think it's going to help out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I, I do think it's going to take pressure off Marner, and we talked about it a couple episodes ago, where Marner's Marner wants to drive his game through through maybe providing a little more offense on the goal side of things and mm-hmm. taking more opportunities for himself. Uh, obviously, he gets into those areas and he's able to get you know good shots off, but I think a lot of the time he gets into those areas and passes it off where he could have a, an opportunity to score on on you know sometimes a wide open net. Yeah. Um, so having a guy like Thornton, who's established himself as, as simply, you know, a, an incredible playmaker will take that pressure off of Marner will open the game up a little bit for Marner Matthews mm-hmm. and could be a very, very interesting number one line for the Maple Leafs this season. So yeah. I like, to me, it was a surprise that said when I, when I thought about it and got into it a little bit more. I understood why it would make sense to get him going. And from all accounts, it seems that at camp, he is in great shape. And he's, he's you know, just an absolute specimen when it comes to what he's going to be able to do for this this young squad. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's an experiment that could last the entirety of the 56-game season if it works out well. You just tweeted out hero 
with a picture of Jumbo Joe on the ice, no pads, just the, like half dress, shirt on the ice, t-shirt, beard, like, and, and this guy's this guy's got a t-shirt and a beard, like just an absolute <laughs> legend. Honestly, when I saw that quickly, I just like man, this guy's doing it all. He's doing it all, man. Um, yeah, like you said, I think out of all the line combinations, this is something that could work for all fifty-six. And his ability to still be a great passer, even at his age, the fact that he was still producing with at, like overseas on a top line role until he got back shows that he's still in it, man. And you can see the difference maybe between the Patrick Marlowe situation and this. It looks like Thornton still has more to give than Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's true as well. And obviously, you know, getting to play for, you know, basically your hometown team um obviously he's from just south of london here um but for him to get an opportunity to play for toronto i think that's you know an incredible opportunity um and obviously i can't wait to see what he's able to do with those two young guys um but speaking of surprises in the lineup two other ones that you know we've talked about is one vc on the second line but two bear Barabanov seems to be the the guy that's in right now in terms of making that nhl roster with nick robertson seeming seemingly the guy that's on the outside possibly part of the taxi squad not sure yet what do you take from these two surprises as well i mean yeah vc was my pick in our round table and as shocking as it was for thornton to be on the top line to be a winger, this surprised me more than that because you look at what he did in Buffalo last year. His underlying numbers really weren't that great. Um, he's on a line with Tavares and William Nylander right now. Big, big opportunity for him right now, considering that one-year $900,000 contract, he has a lot to prove. And this is a guy who is a, like a really good, steady, consistent goal scorer with New York Rangers. I'll bite for a short sample for 17 goals back to back. But I think it could work. And I think Keith has Keith is going to play to his strengths. And he always does this. It's unconventional. Like he like obviously you would automatically think that Zach Hyman would there. But this could help him out to match or slightly eclipse his point total from the previous year. And we all know that he has a good shot. He has good speed. And he had a 9.7 shooting percentage with the Sabres last year, but 50, almost 60% of his shots made it on net while playing less than 14 minutes a game. So although he didn't have good puck luck, he still managed to get his shots on net. And that could pay dividends where if it bounces back to someone like Tavares who's crashing the net and Nylander who's becoming a more versatile scorer, that could work out. Barabanov over Robertson, uh, that, that's a tough one. And I think right now they're going, he didn't come over to the K, uh, from the KHL to just be on the taxi squad. And I think this is a situation where maybe Robertson could, and him could possibly switch in and out. But Robertson really now has to surprise and wow everybody. I mean, we thought that, we saw that during the playing round and the training camp last year. Obviously, I wanted him to make it. I think he would have. But I think they're going more with an experienced lineup right now, and it's showing. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you on the VC uh, VC point. I think the Bear Banoff, um, you know, you mentioned he's he's coming over from the KHL. He's got a little bit more experience in pro uh, at the pro level, whereas Robertson, you know, had that experience from the playing round, looked good. I still think he's young, and I yeah. still think there's an opportunity to grow here. And obviously, they signed a couple of veterans, filled the lineup with uh, you know guys like Simmons and and Thornton and uh, Spezza, which pro- probably hurt Robertson's chances of making the lineup. Mm-hmm. That said, there is going to be opportunity here, and I think if there's a guy that's going to impress, it's going to be Robertson, which from all accounts he has done so far at camp. So I don't think there's any question that this guy's going to make the lineup at, at some point this season. Um, I think it's just a matter of time and a matter of just going with that experience, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, speaking of experience, I think it, it is the probably the end of the Nick Patan era in Toronto. Um, Nick Patan was on waivers, cleared waivers, uh, could possibly play for the Marlies this season. But, um, you know, as we mentioned, with the experience and the, the prospect pool that they have, I don't see Nick Patan being a guy that's going to be in the Maple Leafs jersey at any point in the near future and at any point down the road. No. And yeah, and you look at their prospect pool right now in terms of like winger and center depth. I mean, obviously center depth is still weak, but he's been played more on the wing. I mean, Barabanov right now, Korshkov, Pierre Engvall still has a opportunity with the club joey anderson like he's just getting pushed down the depth chart and you look at like mikhail abramov right now uh ronnie hirvanen who had a really terrific world juniors as well he's just going to get pushed further down and yeah you wanted to give him an opportunity it looked like it could work out but again it just these things happen you know it's it's just a it's just the nature of the game you know you you have an opportunity you have to try and go through with it but it just doesn't work out sometimes. And hopefully he could find a new home somewhere else that maybe he can fill a void. Yep, definitely. Nature of the beast. And uh, it, it is a business. And sometimes you got to let your weaker employees go. So, um, you know, that said, prospect, Topi Niemeli, Niemelis, rather, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> it's all right, best, man. De- best defenseman at the World Juniors. Uh, is Was there ever any question? And... You know, obviously, we talked about this is a guy that's going to get an opportunity down the road, uh, and uh, I think he's going to impress in in all aspects of the game. Leaf fans, get ready, take, be excited because the Leafs have the top, the last top two defensemen at the World Juniors in our prospect system: Rasmus Sandin last year and Topi Niemela this year. At the start of the tournament, there was a question going around on Twitter saying who are like who's a player that can increase their draft stock. And overall, initially, I wrote down Noel Gundler, and he did have a strong tournament. His shot was on display, and he was phenomenal. But from a Leaf perspective, I wrote down Topi Niemela, mainly because I thought that you know he would be someone that would slightly improve on where he was taken. And man. He surpassed my expectations. I did not think he would be the one to take over the tournament by charge like he did. Um, number one, outperformed Gundler by a mile on my original pick. And I wish I probably would have kept Niemela just overall because he was that good. He played like a first round, uh, like he was selected in the first round. There wasn't a shift where 
you weren't drawn to Niemela out there. You were automatically fixated on him and what he was doing. He did it all. He was flying around with his skating, breaking up plays, utilizing his shot more, laying out the body and being more aggressive for on open ice hits right now. His defensive awareness was just on point. And that's someone that the Maple Leafs need right now. Um, obviously, you know, still work in progress, but you can't help but feel that the Maple Leafs are proud with what they have in Niemela right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, as we've mentioned time and time again, exciting times for the Maple Leafs, exciting times for us as we get close to the uh, puck drop this season. Um, With that said, we're going to close out episode 22 of the podcast. Um, You know, we look forward to having you guys back next week as we move forward, as we get closer to January 13th and getting some hockey under our belt for the 2020-21 season. As always, thank you for joining us this week. You know, subscribe. Uh, leave us some reviews on iTunes, guys. Uh, help us create more content for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter, as always, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Same here, man. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. 100%. Have a good one and stay safe, everyone.